Hello mom, dad, grandmother, grandfather, uncle, auntie, cousins, anyone really who's listening. Today we're going to cover one of the most underrated learning challenges which often goes undiagnosed and untreated. You're probably wondering why I say underrated. I say underrated because dysphagia is normally as a result of trauma such as stroke and strokes in children are highly unlikely. It's also important to note that dysphagia and aphasia present with the same symptoms, but dysphagia is related to development and aphasia is related to brain damage. So let's try and understand dysphagia. Dysphagia is a language disorder that affects an an individual's ability to produce and understand spoken language. A person with dysphagia would ordinarily struggle to speak and or also understand what is being said to them so let's get let's get some context into what this is i know case studies give clear contextual understanding so let me tell you about a real life experience a couple of years ago i met a young girl who at first seemed very timid and inexpressive she was constantly shying away from any activity or interaction that required any verbal skills especially amongst her peers but showed a great resilience when I worked with her individually. She understood concepts well and was seemingly quite intelligent. Extremely shy, but quite intelligent. I think that the time when I met her, she was probably at the peak of her smartness or intelligence, if I can call it that, because things gradually went south after that. She could easily do non-verbal tasks without assistance but struggled immensely if she had to communicate or interact with anyone. Her mother often misunderstood her and would say that her child was just extremely slow, which was a good enough reason if your child is constantly working hard trying to find words that they want to use but they just can't seem to ever get them. Uh, This little girl was later diagnosed with epilepsy and would have seizures very often. Her neurologist adjusted her dosages, but it seemed they never quite got them right. I saw a deterioration in her overall performance, and it seemed that there was no end to the seizures too. Upon an examination of her brain imaging by a neurologist, it was discovered that her seizures had affected her Broca's area. The Broca's area is a part of the brain that is located on the left hemisphere, which is responsible for language production. So when we speak and, and when we think of what we want to say, that's where, that's where it all comes from, the actual speech. Her speech still contained important content, but she would leave out articles such as a, and the, she would leave out prepositions like on, under, by, next, etc and other words that only have grammatical, that have grammatical significance. And her doctor, upon examining her, said that she had telegraphic speech. So in dysphagia, uh, it can, the, your severity can vary. And in some cases, patients may only be able to speak in single word sentences. In others, um, in others, these individuals know what they're trying to say, but they're unable to say it. So with every seizure that this little girl had, her broker's air was affected until a certain point where her speech was extremely limited. Her speech continued to deteriorate 
and I think it got to a point where she just couldn't really function in school. Now, there are three types of dysphagia. We have expressive dysphagia, which affects a person's ability to speak and articulate language coherently. It is also caused by the damage to the area of the brain responsible for speech production, which is called Broca's area. We have receptive dysphagia, which affects language comprehension, so understanding. This person can speak fluently, but they often speak with no meaning or are unaware of their speech errors. It is caused by severe damage to the area in the brain responsible for understanding written and spoken language. We also have combined or global dysphagia, which is a combination of the previous two. This person would have difficulty expressing themselves, speaking and understanding language. This type of dysphagia is caused by widespread damage to the language centers of the brain. So what are the symptoms of dysphagia? The most common symptoms of dysphagia include difficulty speaking, difficulties with expression and understanding spoken language. It is also common for people with dysphagia to display withdrawal from social situations because their dysphagia causes communication problems. The verbal signs of dysphagia include speaking very slowly and with great difficulty. So this is when you can see that the person, it almost seems as if they fetch the words from far away. And um, another one is that they have a use of bad grammar when forming a sentence and the omission of certain words. So someone will say car go instead of saying the car is going or see the girl instead of saying can you see the girl or I want to see the girl. Um, eat food now instead of I want to eat my food now. So you'll notice that these sentences will still carry the message, but it's often very disjointed. They'll also struggle to remember words and use a limited vocabulary. So you'll find individuals with dysphagia constantly using the same word over and over again. They will also struggle to speak, to speak fluently and um, they'll also speak in almost like a nonsensical manner where things just don't make sense but you can hear that they're, they're using actual words that exist the signs of dysphagia in relation to comprehension is are difficulty in understanding spoken language so the person can hear you they can see you talk they can most probably repeat what you're saying but they don't understand difficulty understanding complex grammar or fast speech so you wouldn't be able to speak um, in complex sentences or a person is just like having a conversation that just keeps going on and on. The, per the person will most likely lose you or not understand. They also have difficulty processing and remembering long sentences. So anything that comes in multiple sentences all the way to paragraphs. Um, they find very difficult to process and remember and they often misinterpret sentences. Um, what causes dysphagia? A number of conditions can cause brain damage, which as a result can cause dysphagia. Uh, strokes are the most common cause of dysphagia because during a stroke, a blockage in the blood vessels of the brain can starve the brain cells of blood and, and, and oxygen, causing them to die. This leads to brain damage. More conditions that cause dysphagia include neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's brain tumors, dementia, traumatic head injuries, epilepsy, and migraines. 
Some cases of dysphagia are caused by epilepsy or migraines, are only temporary and normal language abilities are restored after the epileptic uh, seizure and headaches subside. So how is dysphagia diagnosed? Uh, Tests can include a physical exam, examining reflexes and an MRI scan. Because it's not something that you can see physically, it is uh, easier for it to be seen on a brain scan and that's probably the only way that you can be diagnosed. So what is the treatment for dysphagia? Speech and language therapy is used in milder cases of dysphagia to restore speech and language skills. Exercises used to improve speech and language include, these are exercises to distinguish sounds. So you say the word and you ask the child to separate the sounds and identify the different sounds. Pronunciation exercises, when you play games that require clear pronunciation of words and correct words that are not pronounced properly immediately. Auditory memory exercises, these involve listening exercises, processing information and recalling. So you ask your child to retell something in the order that it was said. Uh, Vocabulary exercises to to increase vocabulary. So ask your child to provide synonyms of words that can be substituted. Also reinforce this by asking them to use better words to express themselves. So if a child is used to saying, I'm very sick, then you can ask them what is another word they could use. For example, another word they could use for sick. Example, I'm feeling unwell or I am ill. You can also do semantic exercises to improve understanding of context and meaning. So practice the use of full sentence and expression. There's also morphosyntactic exercises, for example, knowing when to use the correct pronouns and prepositions when forming a sentence, such as if a child says go play, then ask them who wants to play. This will help the child elaborate on the sentence. I know this might sound tedious, but it has been proven successful because it gives the child time to reflect and to also come up with their own solutions instead of being spoon-fed information in a suggestive manner. I think it is imperative also to note that dysphagia presents itself as a result of injury that affects the brain. So it's not something that you're born with. It is a result of a head trauma or brain injury, especially an injury that affects the broker's area, which will subsequently affect language and learning. On a personal note, um, there's a boy that I worked with in 2018 who had been involved in a tragic accident and suffered a severe head and brain injury. This resulted in him struggling to articulate himself Uh, A previously very confident boy was now seemingly also very presenting as also timid. He always seemed as if he was uh, fetching his vocabulary from a distant place. He also had a stutter or what is often called stammering. His vocabulary was very limited and he would often mix up his words and sound very incoherent. This would obviously frustrate him and the other kids around him would laugh, causing him to be extremely violent. In one instance, um, because his comprehension skills were also affected, him and I had a misunderstanding. Um, He was being disruptive in class and I asked him to take some time out and think of his actions because he had disrupted what was happening in the classroom. Um, I guess this was my grown-up version of a naughty corner experience which is an approach that I normally would use on children who just seem that they would benefit from a calmer space detached from the immediate space.
So this boy then storms out of my class and returns later to get his bag, which he had forgotten. And in an effort to engage with him about his actions, I told him that his bag was safely stored and he would get it as soon as he explained to me what was going on. I then further told him he could take all the time he needs. Uh, in that moment, he struggled so much to explain himself and in frustration, he grabbed me by my neck and throttled me, like literally held me against um, the palisade fence. In any other circumstance, my reaction would have been physical too, because hey, I'm not about to let a child do that to me. But I, re I raised my hands in full surrender to show him that I was not intending on causing him any harm, uh, even though he might have felt that way. I could have communicated this to him, but knowing his language and communication problem helped me respond to the situation appropriately. I must add though that this was one of the most brilliant children in that class. And one can only try and understand the implication of what strain and frustration that children with dysphagia experience. A lot of children with dysphagia feel alienated and will often remove themselves from situations that will force them to engage in verbal interactions because they know what they want to say but they don't have the vocabulary to express it, to express it or the comprehension of what others are saying. These are children that grow up into detached adults which is unnecessary because there are always ways to rehabilitate and teach other communication techniques. The main aim of understanding such learning challenges is to create spaces that are inclusive, to foster a spirit of empathy and understanding, and to accept each other, but to also be able to see the signs in both children and adults and get them the correct interventions at the earliest possible stage. So if you're a parent, a guardian, or a caregiver, or a teacher, then the onus is on you to see the signs and symptoms and act on them. If you're a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, a brother, sister, friend, or neighbor, yours is to show empathy and understanding. We're all fighting different battles, some seen and most unseen. So let's be kinder to one another. Thank you for listening and see you on the next episode where we will be discussing dyscalculia.